Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious I'm about. Curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships can evolve with people as they grow and change? And so you were hoping that there would be drama that week. Was there any drama? Sadly, no. <laughs> so <laughs> has being in an open family much less interesting than you thought it would be and much less drama than you thought it would be? Definitely. <laughs> you wanted more drama and there isn't any? Yeah. Hi, welcome to the Curious Fox podcast. This podcast is for those who challenge the status quo in love, sex and relationships. My name is Effie Blue. And I'm Jacqueline Misla, and on today's episode, Effie and I are going to talk about sex-positive parenting, specifically tips for parents, aunties, uncles, or significant adults to talk to children about sexuality, gender identity, open relationships, the coming out process, and more. This is actually a very special episode because we're talking to a very special person, one of my favorite people in the world, actually. Your offspring. <laughs> she told us that she's not ready to have her name on the podcast yet. So we're going to respect her wishes, of course. And we asked her to come on the show today because we want to talk to her about sex positive parenting. And this is something that you work really hard on. And we're going to take a look at the end product. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. To see to see how my hard work is coming out. Exactly, exactly. I mean, we, we know from Dr. Eli Sheff's research and the subsequent book, Polyamorous Next Door, as well as a number of other studies, that children who grew up in open families are well-adjusted, have strong communication skills, feel loved and supported, have a higher degree of emotional literacy and demonstrate a higher level of maturity, self-confidence, interpersonal skills. So for all the caring adults out there who worry about what will happen to their children if they explore non-traditional relationships or family structures, this interview is for you. Yeah, I consumed all of this research at the beginning of my opening up process, both as a parent who deeply loves my child and as someone who is gearing up for external criticism and concern. Even introducing her to the Curious Fox community today feels very tender as it feels like exposing something precious to the great outdoors. That said, I trust this community and more importantly, I actually just trust my daughter. She's a big bold personality for her small size and has strong boundaries and self-assured point of view. When she met you for the first time, Effie, she immediately started to engage you in one of her favorite subjects, slime. Kindred <laughs> spirits. <laughs> she, uh, she is also on a mission to change the noise, specifically the perception amongst most adults that slime is a sticky, messy kid's toy. I know, I am converted. And not only did she teach me about slime, and trust me, she taught me a lot about slime. She also made me a true fan. Um, I'm a fan, I love slime. I, I nerd out on slime just like she does now. And even though she's in single digits, she continues to teach me things about the world and myself that I didn't know before. 
Hello, my friend. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on the show. Let's start by talking about our favorite subject, slime, because I know that's your specialist subject. What is it that you love about slime? Um, hi, I'm Jackie's daughter, and I like that it's like you could do so many things with it. Like you could mm-hmm. decorate it, you could like prank people with it. <laughs> you can like put it in like like balloons and make like squeak like squishies. Uh-huh. And it's just like really I like the texture. There's so many textures you taught me. So many types. Some types are well, I'm gonna tell you like my favorites and then some types that I don't really uh-huh. like, but maybe some other people might. Um, so my favorites are definitely butter slime. Mm-hmm. They call it butter slime because it spreads like butter and it's really thick and I love it. I love crunchy slime, like slushy slime. That mm-hmm. you, um, if you, Have you ever heard of like beads and slime? Mm-hmm. Beads and slime? Uh-huh. Yeah, you could put beads in it. Uh-huh. And, you know, I actually never thought about it, but I really like like slime that you could like, that makes really, really nice pokes, like milky slime. Wow, that's amazing. Other than all the different types of slime, what do you want people to know about slime? I want people to know that it's not just like, you know how like Nickelodeon makes it look so bad with the green, mm. ooey, sticky melt? No. <laughs> I was just talking about that. <laughs> and Nickelodeon makes it look like, Nickelodeon makes it look like slime is just like garbage or for pranks, but it's not. It's, I, I really like it. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I think um, I heard that you could go on a soapbox moment about how Nickelodeon ruined slime for everyone. Exactly. And parents are like, no, you can't get it. But my mom's like, yeah, you can get it. Yeah. Well, I don't really get it. I more like to make it, but. I was going to say, you n- never mind getting it. You produce, mass produce slime in your bedroom. I saw your little workshop. Yeah. And you have a slime business. Do you want to tell me a little bit about your slime business? Sure. So it's inspired off of New York because mm-hmm. I know like a bunch of people have probably heard of Times Square, mm-hmm. that big place in New York and where mm-hmm. a lot of people just come and stuff. My slime shop is called Slime Square Slime. It's like like it's like a little mix because mm-hmm. Times Square, Slime Square and then Slime. Mm-hmm. Like, my aunt drew the logo herself. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. It looks like a street sign, and I just love mm-hmm. it. You can order from my slime shop. What started it was just, I watch a lot of, like, TikToks and YouTube about slime, and I just get, um, I was like, oh, it looks so cool. Like, I should start a slime business. But one of the problems I had with it was I was worried, let's say I make a slime, Everyone wants to buy it because it's so good. What if I like mm-hmm. run out of stock? I don't want to make people upset. And they're like, oh, man, like I, I don't want to order from here because it takes too long. So I was really worried about that. But then I, I saw something on TikTok, slime mystery boxes. And I mm-hmm. thought that was like the best idea ever because instead of me having to like make like the same amount of slime just huge, I could mm-hmm. just put random slime, any slime I want. People be happy because they it's supposed to be a surprise, you know? And a lot of people are also into that, into that stuff right now. That's amazing. 
past uh, summer, she said to me that she did not want to go to virtual summer school. And I said, well, she has to do something with her time. So I asked Mm -hmm. her to come back Mm -hmm. and propose something. And she came back and said, what if instead of going to summer camp, I started my own business? And (laughs) she pitched the whole idea. She pitched the mystery boxes. We sat down in a night and created an Etsy shop and a website for her. And her business got started and she's been selling. Okay, it's amazing. Her bedroom is like a workshop. It's crazy. Yeah, there's a time on the walls. (laughs) I know. You have a big mixer. You have so many. You have all your products in big boxes. And this is no, this is no toy. Yeah, like I mean, I know they're fun toy stuff, but like you take it very seriously. You know your slime. Mom thinks that slime on the wall is like a mess. I think it's like a fashion choice. <laughs> and it's my room. Totally. By scrubbing it off, I'm like, no, don't do that. You're gonna like scrub <laughs> off the paint. That's it. If you want to order, please, because I I have so many slimes and like. I have so I'm just like it's just gonna fill up my room with time. So mm-hmm. just please order. Yeah, we're gonna tell you how you can order right at the end. But um, and and there's yeah. a special surprise, there's a special surprise for our listeners, and we're gonna tell you all about that at the end. So, um, it's very exciting. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> exactly. Stay tuned. <laughs> awesome. I I can talk to you about slime forever. You know that we always talk about slime, yeah, and um, you whenever you and I hang out, you bring slime, which I really like. And your mom is coming to visit me, and she's going to bring me a mystery box. I do want to segue though. So today, you know that we're going to talk about uh, sex positive parenting, right? So it's just it's about how adults talk to kids about love, relationships, sexuality, gender, all that kind of stuff. Um, is that okay? Yeah, it's totally fine. Um, okay, great. So you're fully prepared. Can you tell me about your family and living situation? I live uh, in two houses, actually. My parents are divorced, which is fine. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it, it's like sad. It's not like sad to me anymore. At my mom's house, um, there's Loretta, which is her wife and her. And then, and like on her side, she doesn't live in a house, but she lives in like her own house. She's mom just goes to um her house on the like when I'm not there uh, and her name is Alexis and she's mama's girlfriend dad's side he's single <laughs> and we live in like an apartment and not too far away from mom's house like a seven minute walk maybe nice perfect okay so and this is a whole other question so tell me my friend what do you know about consent what I know is consent is when you have to like ask a person if you could like do something like if you could like hug them or make them a snack or dinner or something like that. So can you tell me how do you practice consent at home? Well, I don't practice mom does and I just learn from her. So I'm saying, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I'm practicing. She always asked me if she could like hug me or something. Because she mm-hmm. didn't want me being like, like, get off me or something like that. Mm-hmm. So when your mom asks you if she could hug you, what do you think? I just think it's like a nice thing. Like, like she doesn't have to ask me, but she can if she wants. Um, but she doesn't uh-huh. have to. But I do. I don't like it when she does. Nice. And then do you think to yourself, like, do I want a hug? Or do you just immediately say or you say yes or no? How do you decide? I don't really ask myself. I just know, like, automatically. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you say yes or no? Yeah. Do you worry about anything when you say no? Not really. I love that. Okay, that's great. 
do you, can you tell me what your mom has taught you about love? Well, she said I could like anyone that I want because she's like in an open relationship. Like, like she likes more than one person mm -hmm. and she likes other girls. So, so she's like, she, so she's basically her whole motto to me is just like, like, like you can love whatever you want, like whoever you want. So I was like, mm -hmm. okay. So yeah, she said I could like love whoever I want. How do you show people that you love them? Okay, so Mama, I like give her hugs. Mm -hmm. And well, so we talked about like love languages. Mm -hmm. And and we just told each other what we like, like mm -hmm. to be loved by, so I know. So mm -hmm. I used to like just give her gifts. But then after that conversation, I realized that that was my love language and not hers. So I was mm -hmm. loving her the way I wanted to. So I changed that because one of the things she listed on her list was cuddles and stuff. So I gave her lots of hugs and, mm -hmm. and cuddles and stuff. And quality time, that's another thing. And reading together, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's how I do it. I'm mom's. And in that conversation, it was really helpful because I realized that I was doing a lot of things for you and I was telling you how much I loved you because my love languages are acts of service and words of affirmation. And then in that conversation, I realized that was not your love language. No, uh, my love language, I'm just, I'm just going to say, <laughs> what is mm. gifts? Because I love gifts. Like, <laughs> and <laughs> I love just like, <laughs> I love playtime. And I love cuddles. One of the things that was top on our list was words that was at the bottom of my list. So, yeah. Since you had that conversation with your mom, do you feel like you, you show and receive love more? Does, is it suddenly like made a difference for you? And if it did, what, what, what was the difference? Yeah, like, I mean, I never like... Like, I, I don't really receive, like, like more, like, more. Like, I receive the same, which is a great amount because I get, like, mm -hmm. a good amount. It's not like I get mm -hmm. little or it's not like I get more. But there was a difference in the way she was loving me. Like, she mm -hmm. decided um, if everyone, if anyone, you can, like, ask your kids. If anyone has got their, ki their kid a game called Roblox, so she she decided I could get Robux every Wednesday. I could get 400, which I'm really happy with. That's in Robux dollars, not U.S. dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. I'm not that generous. $400 of, of gifts. Okay, well, that's amazing. That's amazing that you and your mom talked about how you love one another and made sure that both of you really feel it in the way that you want to feel it. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. You told me that your mom told you that she's in an open relationship. Yeah. Do you remember, if you don't remember when, do you remember like what you thought about it when you first heard it? Well, when I first heard it, I didn't really know what that meant. I was like, mm -hmm. open relationship, like, you're open. Like, I don't really know what it meant, but then she explained it. And it's not weird. I mean, I'm not trying to be like, I don't care, like, whatever. Like, mm -hmm. But it's just like, it, it doesn't matter. 
Like, if mm-hmm. he dated 50 people, I wouldn't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. And the other, uh, in preparing for packing for the trip to come see you, I was packing bathing suits. And so I was trying on different bathing suits. And one of them was a two-piece. And she looked at me and said, you're married and have a girlfriend. You don't need to attract anyone else. Put on something else. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that fact is true. <laughs> um, uh-huh. That's funny. She's so it's slightly different, right? Because mom has Loretta and Alexis. They mm-hmm. are you spend time with them as well, so they're like uh, you're like uh-huh. in a big open family, right? Yeah. What is it like to be in an open family like that? I mean, I like having a bunch of people like with mom because Alexis is really nice and she likes dogs like me. But Alexa, mm-hmm. but um, Loretta and I share humor. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's pretty. I mean, I like it because I get like a bunch of houses, like Dad's house, and then this house, and then Alexis's house. But it's not different. I mean, it's like a regular family. Mm-hmm. I was asked what what it's like, like having like divorce. Like, like I get sad. I used to be really sad, like about it. I never want to leave mom's house. Cause it's like so awesome here. <laughs> but I mean, I don't, it doesn't really matter. Cause I'm, um, I'm always seeing one of my parents. It's like traumatized. Like, Oh no, I'm never going to see you again. Like <laughs> I'm gonna, of course I'm going to see her the next week. And it just goes by quick. It goes by mm-hmm. especially quick at mom's house. It's, already monday like Mm -hmm. it's already monday and at dad's house Mm -hmm. it's like every minute feels like 48 million years (laughs) (laughs) and and you and you 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 spend a week one one home one week on the other is that right yeah so given that you have your mom your dad there's alexis and there's loretta do you ever talk to your friends about your your family situation well, I don't like talk to them about it. I tell, I told, I told them so they understand. Let's say like, mm-hmm. let, let's say Alexis is picking me up. They'll be like, "Who is this random person?" I don't really talk about it because it's not like it's like a private thing. It's just because mm-hmm. there's no need to talk about it. Do you have friends with families that are that don't fit the traditional family structure, like a mom, dad, and a kid? Yeah, Maxine, because her parents are divorced as well. Do you ever talk about it? Um, no. She's a more like sensitive one about it. I don't. Mm-hmm. I gotten used to it because her parents just divorced like last year or so. But you told me that it was a little hard when your mom told you about Loretta after you and your dad. She and your dad split up. And did you do you remember if it bothered you that Loretta was a woman? No, I didn't really care what gender, but what I was like, why can't it be dad? Did you think it was weird? A little bit. Well, not like weird that she's dating like another girl. I just never seen it before. So it's different. But she's fine now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so can you tell me what you know about like feeling like a boy, feeling like a girl, feeling like neither, feeling like both? Do you know anything about that? I mean, yeah, I know a lot about it. Like if you feel like a boy, then you might like want to change. Like it, let's say you're born as a gender of a boy, but you might feel like a girl. You could, uh, yeah, you could like, you could like change yourself. Mm. I, that's all I know, just in a way shorter version. Like I know a bunch mm-hmm. more, but it's just like what I know, just way shorter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you know, like, how do you feel right now? How do you feel from, from that point of view? Like, do you feel like a boy? Do you Fine. feel like a girl? Do you feel, 
<laughs> you feel fine? Oh, so, uh, um, I feel like a girl. I mean, I'm like, I like my dinner. Having been in or seen an open relationship and seeing monogamous relationships, do you have a preference of what you would choose right now? Monogamous. I don't know where you're going, but monogamous, I think. Yeah, I'd say that. <laughs> monogamous. Monogamous. Yeah. monogamous. So, yeah, what makes you drawn to being in a monogamous relationship with one person at a time? I don't know. I just, yeah, it's cool that you could be with one other person, but I'd rather, like, be with one person so I could put all my attention on them and not just, mm-hmm. like, be like, like, let's say I'm, like, hanging, like, let's say I'm hanging out with them and I'm like, oh, Jeff texted, gotta go, or something like that. <laughs> I don't want to die. Like, that's mm-hmm. rude. So, um, yeah. Do you see that happening around you? No, but I just, I just don't want that to happen because it could. Mm-hmm. I, I've mm-hmm. never seen it, but it could happen. When we, in the beginning of the pandemic, we all quarantined together. So Alexis, Loretta, myself, and you quarantined together for about three weeks. And do you remember when we got into the car on the drive there? Mm-hmm. Do you remember what you said when everyone got in the car? And you said, I can't wait because I'm looking forward to the drama. Uh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I remember that. I'm a drama queen. I'm not that type of like, I'm not like, like the drama queen means different to me. Drama queen to other people is a person, you call that person if they make a lot of drama over something dumb. But drama queen to me means I make a lot of drama. And so you were hoping that there would be drama that week. Was there any drama? Sadly, no. <laughs> so <laughs> has being in an open family much less interesting than you thought it would be and much less drama than you thought it would be? Definitely. <laughs> you wanted more drama and there isn't any? Yeah. Effie, can we can we keep continue the podcast after? Because I have to go on a school call now. Yes, please. Yes, go ahead. So there you go. There you go. So, so to the world, that was my little one. That was my offspring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As you can hear, she's way beyond her years, which is good and bad, right? We talked about this. It's, you know, it's, it's, she's, she's brilliant yes. uh, in so many ways, which, you know, causes her some struggle in a way that brilliant people struggle. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of her understanding around um, all these things obviously come from you. Normally, you ask me a bunch of questions. That's how mm-hmm. usually we roll. But I want to kind of flip it around and ask you about how you handled all this, given you went through a divorce and then you got married to a woman and then you opened up your relationship and then you fell in love and with another woman that you're in a long-term relationship with. And um, here we are with many moons down the line. Mm -hmm. She is nine and she's brilliant. Mm -hmm. She has her head wrapped around all of this and she's incredibly well adjusted. She understands, you know, her love language and how she feels. And she's, you know, started up her own business and, and, you know, she just shines. So how, how did you do this? Where did you start? Yeah, it's a good question. So people, you know, in in the work that I do or in coaching, people say, how do I talk to my child about sexuality and relationships? Or again, to your point, how did you do it? And the answer really is before having the conversation with her about me or even about her, I just created a space along with her dad, frankly, where topics like sexuality and gender identity and open relationships were just safe and commonplace within the home. 
Mm-hmm. Her father and I were always really mindful of not putting her in a gender box. So for example, she had a brown and green nursery and we were mm-hmm. careful to dress her in gender neutral clothes and not put big bows on her. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that was part of just like our rebel nature more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And we uh, exposed her to all sorts of families and things like that. So early on, it was a part of our mindset. But one of the things actually mm-hmm. that shifted for me after the divorce is in the beginning as a parent, I did, I think what all parents do, which is is I try to help my child prepare to be successful in the world. Mm-hmm. So we do that with our children often, right? We tell them when they're in a restaurant, you know, be quiet, be good. We tell them, do this, do that, do less of this, be smaller, all those things. And it comes from a good place, right? We want them to be successful. And so we try to regulate them. And one thing that I realized in my own personal journey was how much uh, that socialization or that becoming small and quiet actually impacted me as an adult. I think you and I both work with adults who Mm -hmm. (laughs) experienced a particular childhood growing up. Mm -hmm. And so we have seen the evidence of what it looks like to be told your whole life to conform and to contort. Mm -hmm. And so my parenting style really shifted in my personal journey from first trying to prepare her to be successful in the world to trying to prepare her to know herself deeply so that she can navigate in whatever world she lived in. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. the reality also is I'm trying to prepare her to be in the world that I know right now. 10 years Mm -hmm. from now, it's going to look really different And so it wasn't about helping her know how to be successful, whatever I thought that meant. It just means Mm -hmm. helping her know herself so well and so deeply and being able to communicate it. Though no matter what the world looks like 10, 20, 30 years from now, she can navigate through that space. Absolutely. I can, I told, I mean, I I think that's such a brilliant way of looking at it because right now I'm talking to parents. So you know, who are just where I am. They're just encountering this idea of kids saying they're non-binary or they haven't decided on their gender. And right now the parents Mm -hmm. around me are in panic mode. They're like, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to handle that. I don't know. Right. That's And that's just barely a few years, like given 10 more years, we have no five more years, 10 more years. We have no idea where we're going to be. So you can, you Mm -hmm. know, if you're trying to get your kid, to go through today like you don't know what tomorrow is going to be like so the best that you can do i think like you said just get them to understand themselves uh, and take it from that Mm -hmm. because it's such a vastly changing landscape especially about the topics that we're talking about Mm -hmm. i mean right now this whole gender identity and orientation is a hot hot topic yeah millennials are having kids right now you know that we're we're now talking about gen z Mm -hmm. you know your daughter is gen z right Mm -hmm. yes they're in a completely different landscape than than even millennials. Yeah. So you said you created, you know, you, you sort of from the beginning, you had a mindset of let's not push gender norms um, on, on her and, you know, through the, the aesthetic stuff. And then, you know, mm-hmm. you sort of you talked about how to have the conversation is something that you would just have. Um, how would you decide when to start, how to start, what what age to start, how to sort of bring it into the conversation? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. We So similar actually to the advice that you have given around how to introduce non-monogamy into a relationship. And you've talked mm-hmm. about 
first not making it personal, talking about it as it lives like in the world, maybe something Mm -hmm. around a movie or a book and and then saying, what do you think about that? And Mm -hmm. then what could that be for like for us? And, and it was, it was that same process. Actually, I, Mm -hmm. I used things like pride TV shows, movies, books, and other external prompts to initiate the conversation. Mm -hmm. So I remember having the conversation with her first around sexuality around pride. And we started to see the rainbow flag everywhere. And I was like, Oh, do you know what that flag is? And she's like, no. And we started to talk about, I was like, Oh, it means that boys can love boys and girls can love girls Mm -hmm. and you can love whoever, and you can love how many ever, and you can love however. Mm -hmm. And she had some questions and I just use that to begin to ask her questions. So I use mm-hmm. some external prompt, again, a movie, a book or something like that. And then I was like, well, what do you think about that? And how do you feel? And what would you want? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. eventually later on, I would start to share my own personal perspective and identity. Mm-hmm. But first I was just giving her space to understand what it meant conceptually and to identify what that meant for herself a little at a time and really mm-hmm. focused on her questions and her curiosity. So I allowed mm-hmm. her to lead and mm-hmm. I could really tell when she was bored or no longer interested in discussing it, even though for me, I wanted to, I felt impatient and I wanted to be like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in love with a woman and want to be with more than one person. And this is what that looks like. That mm-hmm. instead I realized I had to be like, so do you know what lesbians are? Like that's girls and girls. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? How do you feel? Mm-hmm. What would that mean? And then she would ask those questions and be like, let's go to the park and let's have ice cream. And she was done with it. Mm-hmm. And so then I had to wait right. to another opportunity. And then I would, <laughs> so the incrementally little over time is how I set the stage essentially for this mm-hmm. bigger conversation. So that it didn't feel like my goal was so that it didn't feel like it was something that was strange. I mean, one of the things mm-hmm. that you heard from her is it's completely normal to her. We probably talked right. about sexuality and gender and orientation as much as we talked about, or probably less than anything else. Mm-hmm. It was thoughtful and timed, but it wasn't mm-hmm. something that I put a lot of pressure around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I started to introduce my own identity and 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 more concretely and and you know allowed that conversation to evolve over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. I think the thing that really sort of draws them out, I think, just normalizing it, right? Kind of allowing it to be a topic alongside with like favorite ice cream, what's going on at school, and how are you feeling about your body? How are you feeling about your living situation? That kind of stuff, and then having an open dialogue. It sounds like worked for you. Yeah. And when, so early on in my career, at some point I worked in foster care and I was doing a lot of training and worked with those who were working in the field. And part of the training that we do was around storytelling in an age appropriate way, because mm-hmm. what would happen was early on, if a child was separated from their family, the often the story they were told is mom is sick right now and needs some help. and Daddy's not mm-hmm. feeling well. And that's why you have to go live with this other family. And if that story never changed, we would have situations where children would be teenagers and would be frightened that their adoptive or foster parents anytime they were sick because the narrative mm. they were told when they were younger is mommy got sick and got taken mm-hmm. away. And that narrative never evolved to say, this is what mom was dealing with or what dad was dealing with. And, you know, it was drugs mm. or alcohol. And this is what that means. And mm. that really taught me something early in my career and early in my parenting that all the conversations we have with children both need to be age appropriate and child appropriate and need to evolve over time. Mm -hmm. And so when I was first introducing her to my partners, I really started, for example, with my, you know, with my partner now of two years, she started off just as this is my friend Mm. and they built a friendship relationship. And then at some point I was like, I have a crush on her. What do you Mm -hmm. think about that? 
And I was using really language that I heard her talking about with her friends about mm-hmm. having crushed somebody in school. And then I was like thinking about dating her. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And then I would say, well, now she's my partner. And I would continue to check in along the way, but I would allow mm-hmm. the story to evolve and grow mm-hmm. as she was getting older. And as she could tolerate kind of more and understand more, as opposed Mm -hmm. to either telling her, here is my friend and never updating that story Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or sharing too much too early at the in the beginning. Yeah. When that was happening, was she worried about Loretta, your wife? I should say, just to give context, people who are listening. Was she worried about your wife? She would. She would ask a lot of questions. So she even recently, every once in a while, she'll ask a question. So recently she asked me, when you go to your partner's house, how do you get there? I said, well, my wife drives Mm -hmm. me. You know, when I go to Alexis' house, Laura drives me. And she says, well, does Alexis come out and say hello? I said, sometimes. She said, Mm -hmm. is it sad when you leave? I said, yeah, sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then she'll be like, okay. And then she'll go off and go play Mm -hmm. or something like that. So I can tell that she little by little is trying to understand what the dynamics look like Mm -hmm. and trying to understand what that feels like. So she does. She, but I, again, I, I really allow her to, to self prompt or I will say this is how I'm feeling. What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. The thing that I got out of the conversation I had with her earlier is that she also has her own very defined relationships with both Alexis and Loretta and they're different right she said Alexis likes dogs like me and I know that she loves dogs and then she said Loretta and I have humor in common which Mm -hmm. by the way just like an amazing thing for her to even know and and name just shows to how Mm -hmm. well adjusted and bright she is Um, but she's like clear like this is what I have in common with this person and this is what I have in common with this person this is my relationship with this person which seem independent some somehow as much as it can be from your relationship with them Yes, absolutely. And she will, she, I mean, certainly she's spent time with both of them alone. She's had, she will WhatsApp and like video call with Alexis when I'm not around Mm -hmm. and she'll spend Mm -hmm. time here. So she'll, we live with my wife. So she lives since the age of two. So for the past seven years, she's, she's been, you know, part-time with me and my wife and then the other part-time with her dad. And so she's really developed these individual relationships. And at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. I am her mom. So they're my partners and she has their own relationships with them. But like it, it, you know, we have some clear family structure, if you will. And she sees me as, Mm -hmm. as like the person who at the end of the day, she has to go to, to get approval for things. Right, (laughs) right, right. Yeah. So, so it was interesting. And let me say, I think one of the challenges, so we talked a little bit about how over time, really the goal was to, to introduce sister first as a conceptual thing with your children, you read books, you expose them to different movies, different TV shows, different, again, events. And you say, Oh, look at that. Do you know what that is? What do you think about that? How do you feel? Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell Mm -hmm. you about me and some of the things that I feel I happen to like boys and girls. What do you think about Mm -hmm. that? Then you can start to change the, as you start to, to evolve your relationship, have some conversations that evolve. One of the things that became tricky though, was starting to think about, well, what do we share with others? Mm -hmm. What's the difference between privacy and secrets? In the beginning Mm -hmm. of my relationship with my wife, my parents were not comfortable with me talking to my grandparents about it. Mm -hmm. And so when we would see my grandparents, I would have to say to my daughter, Hey, we're not going to talk about this right now. And would want to talk, tell her, okay, well, they're not, they're not really comfortable with it. They're not happy about mm-hmm. that. And so for this time right now, I'm going to talk to them about it, but we're not going to do that right now in this moment. So we're going to keep mm-hmm. this right now private. And she would ask me, what's the difference between private and a secret? And I said, well, a secret is that we feel bad about it. And we're trying to hide it. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're doing right now. 
Mm-hmm. Right now, we're just not talking about it because we're going to wait for the right time to have this conversation. And then I promise mm-hmm. when I do, then I'll tell you and then you can talk about it all that you want. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing happened again when I was in an open relationship. We was like, okay, we're going to go to this place and talk to these people and they don't know about this yet. So we're going to keep this private mm-hmm. for right now mm-hmm. until we find the right time to, to have the conversation with them. And she actually at some point was playing with her cousins and mentioned it, said, you know, mom's girlfriend, such and such. And they were like, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, my mom's girlfriend. I'm like, hello. And mm-hmm. later on that night, I got a call from my mom and from my brother. <laughs> like, okay, what's going on? And, you know, what are you talking to the kids about? It allowed us, you know, she essentially outed me um, and then, you know, mm-hmm. got to have that conversation with them. And it wasn't a bad thing, frankly, because it was an opportunity to have that conversation. But when I circled back to her because she felt bad about it, I said, you should feel no shame. Mm. You should feel not bad at all about talking about the things that are your truth. They weren't ready to hear that yet. And that's on me to talk mm-hmm. to them about that. But your truth is for you. Mm-hmm. So that was something, again, it's been challenging, but we've had to navigate that together. Yeah, I think it's a, that's a tough one, especially around non-monogamy because non-monogamy is not a protected mm-hmm. class so yes. uh, there are still people who have to hide their sort of structures we are very fortunate we live in you know we live in new york city um nobody cares yes we work for ourselves we, we right. yes exactly the the organizations that i partner with as a consultant i intentionally partner with organizations that that will accept all of me and so we are in a situation and have crafted that, I should note, have not didn't fall upon it, but sure. I've intentionally crafted a lifestyle where this is possible and it's not possible for everyone. And so that might right. be a conversation that, that you want to have with your children around why some things need to be private and why how that's different than being a secret that that is about shame, but private, which is about creating some sense of what we talk about at home and externally until it feels more comfortable and appropriate to talk about it somewhere else. Right, exactly. And I think that also gives an opportunity for parents to talk about boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Which is yes. should also be an ongoing conversation. In fact, I would say um, one of the biggest gifts that you can give to your kid um, around relationships is for them to really understand, internalize, figure out and mention and maintain their boundaries. And I think as you're having these conversations, that is at the core of it is I think when you're saying, when I, when I hear you say, I took cues from my daughter on what to say, when to say, how much to say, what comes up for me is that you were attuned to her boundaries. She might not be in a place where she knew at the time, like this is a boundary, I don't want to talk about it anymore. But, I, but what I'm hearing is that as a mom who's going through this stuff, you were attuned to her boundaries and then when she was like this is no longer interesting to me or this is now uncomfortable for me you were like okay this is where we stop yeah and i think that is just builds that muscle of i don't i don't want to talk about it and let me say that didn't happen naturally that certainly happened over time I don't always mm-hmm. get it right. There's definitely times where I realize that my agenda is really pushing the conversation and not her mm-hmm. need. And we really work together on that. So we have a whole source. We have this whole like secret language between us that is like this food-based language around things that feel like complicated emotions that mm-hmm. we have distilled down to a single word. So we may have talked about this on the podcast, but for example, you know that feeling when you have acted poorly. So maybe you had PMS, maybe you were hangry, maybe you were out of sorts or some way and you just acted out and you tantrumed and you were nasty to somebody and you storm off and you go away 
and after some some time, when you come back into your wise mind, you realize your poor behavior. And now you need to come mm-hmm. back kind of tail between your legs and apologize. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do, to come back and be like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry that I acted out and was crazy mm-hmm. and, you know, all that stuff. And so she would have that. She would, as a kid, she tantrums and, you know, throws mm-hmm. a fit about something and then would come back sheepishly and say, you know, I feel ashamed and I'm sorry. And we created the language around lime, like the fruit, that if she says mm-hmm. lime, it is essentially capturing all of that sentiment at once. I'm sorry mm-hmm. that I acted badly. I didn't mean to do that. I love you. And, I, and all she has to say is lime and all is forgiven. And we have a whole source mm-hmm. of words that mean the same mm-hmm. thing around how do you create something that's complicated language. And similarly, when she needs space, like physical space and is done with a conversation, all she needs to do is do a particular hand motion to me. Mm-hmm. And I know, all right, we got to take a break right now she's getting angry or she's getting something is happening in her body and she, and and that's her boundary. That's her signal. And she needs to walk away. Mm -hmm. And how that evolved was she would say to me, I need you to go now. Or she would say, I don't Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about this. She would say something with an attitude. And remember Mm -hmm. I'm Puerto Rican and grew up in New York. So you're not going to talk to me with an attitude. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) I would say to her, I'm like, I don't know who you think that you're talking to. And my New York comes out just as it did there. Right. I don't know who you think you're talking to, but you're not going to have that conversation with me like that. And at some point, we got to be able to talk about the fact that when she has that level of frustration, anything that comes out of her mouth is going to sound frustrating and frustrated. Because she's frustrated. Right. She's saying in that moment, I need some space. But what's coming out of her mouth is, I need you to go right now. And so what Mm -hmm. she said is, then you get mad at me. I'm telling you I need space, but you get Mm -hmm. mad at me for telling you. So she came up with the idea of let me do a hand signal. So this way, Mm -hmm. nothing comes out of my mouth. So you don't think Mm -hmm. that I'm being rude and disrespectful. And I can still communicate to you that I need space right now. And so all of this, I share that example to say happens over time. We had a thousand arguments about her Mm -hmm. talking back or about, you know, me not leaving or whatever, before we finally had the conversation where we're like, oh, Mm -hmm this is what's going on. But I kept in it. I think seeing her as a person and Mm -hmm. not as just my kid, like seeing her as her own person who has her needs that I'm trying to understand and really love and who she is has made the difference. I think that's absolutely key. I mean, first of all, again, brilliant. It's genius that you are where you are right now. Um, And I think it's testament to your dedication to understand her as a separate human being, which I think is Again, I'm not a parent, so what I know about, about and what you know what I to, what I know about parenting and and kids is twofold. One, academic. I read, listen, learn as much as I can, and two, I speak to adults 20, 30 years down the line when they're sitting on my couch and telling me their you know the household they grew up in, which is the way that I fr- frame it, and how those mm-hmm. dots connect to how they're showing up in relationships today. So I spoke to adults about, you know, childhood stories and just how that manifests into their struggles today. So that's kind of where I come from. And I think one of the core struggles is that separation, that their parents hadn't quite noticed them as separate human beings and haven't got attuned to them and become curious and work with them as where they are. And I, I, I mean, I know just from knowing you that you are just devoted to that and enormous credit to your daughter for not only working through this with you but also just how creative she is like she's like it's it's creative problem solving which is another thing that we talked about in relationship she's like this is what i need the way i'm going about it isn't working you know I, whatever i say isn't working how about i don't, don't say anything and i make a hand signal it's, it's like that's just gen- that's really genius i it t- it takes me sessions and sessions and sessions with adults to be able to figure out how they can cut through this noise 
you know and she's like mm-hmm. okay let me figure this out you know i think it's just you know, it's amazing having a mom who is a social worker, you know, a sex positive advocate, like all these things. It's good. And sometimes it, it like comes to bite me in the ass. Like what I remember one time we were having a, a, an argument about something and she was saying like, she's like, and I, you know, I'm stupid. I'm about herself. She was being self-deprecating. I'm stupid and I'm, I'm this and I'm that. And I have a fixed mindset. And then she like slammed the door <laughs> behind her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like you shall tell oh me nothing God. to divert this right so because of course we've talked about growth mindset in my house of course uh-huh. we do and so oh, okay. it's just funny that like you know she'll use you know use my words against me um but as a parent i think i i, I became more and more aware of all of the times where my parenting was really about me I mean, there's a thousand Mm -hmm. examples that I can give you. When I was growing up, I really felt unseen. I remember being in my my room, navigating through depression as a kid and as an adolescent and willing my mother to come and like check on me, like trying to do telepathy Mm -hmm. to get her to come in. And she never did. And Mm -hmm. as a result of that, I remember as a kid saying, I will never let my child be in pain in silence and alone. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful aspiration. The result of that is my daughter will just like sneeze in the middle of the night and I'm by her bedside. Like, are you okay? Is everything okay? Are you all right? Mm-hmm. And so I've swung too far in the other direction. So, it, you know, I, I share again these examples to say that we have to be mindful about it being about us. I think another place where that shows up is when we sometimes either push identity or we mm. over-sexualize our kids or mm. under-sexualize them. And so, you know, one example of that is that I see this all the time with two children of, of different genders. Let's say they're three, four, five holding hands playing mm. together mm. and Inevitably, some adult says, oh, is that your boyfriend? Is that your girlfriend? Mm-hmm. You're so cute. You're going to get married. And there are just so many assumptions that are made there. It's an assumption around, you know, sexual orientation. It's a sexual around gender or sexual. But why? Why are we talking boyfriend and girlfriend to toddlers and to children? Right. Um, right. It's It's something that we do to try to like... It feels cute potentially at the time, mm-hmm. but those mm-hmm. little types of messages, I think, are something that sure. we need to be mindful of. Something, again, that we had to, I had to be mindful of was uh, gender pronouns, particularly mm-hmm. for things like animals or bugs or inanimate objects. Mm-hmm. I would always, first of all, my default was he. Like, oh, mm-hmm. look at the, look at him, look at him, look at that, mm-hmm. look at it. And I don't know what that was about. Then it was either he or she. And it wasn't until one day we were walking on the beach and I pointed to a little hermit crab and I was like, oh, look at him. And she said, that may be a they. And I was like, yes, <laughs> right. Yes. That, that yes, might just be a they. Be a they. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're yeah. right. And so, you know, trying to be mindful not to do things like that. Um, yeah. I do have a pro tip about that, actually. It's something that we did in, in an adult household, but I, I've, I'm hearing more and more parents doing this. And I think it's great is that they have um, they have one toy that is a they. Um, we did this. I was living in a, like an intentional community now many years ago and there was a giant bear it's one of those like huge ones that you can cut like four people can cuddle those giant giant teddy bears and um that it was a gender neutral teddy bear and it went by they it was mm-hmm. called tiny tiny the gender neutral bear and mm-hmm. it was a really good practice in just using they for yeah. a, an enormous thing like like you know it's, it's like um it's a, almost like a little literal elephant in the room this giant teddy bear that you're stumbling <laughs> over so you kind you can't ignore it it's not like a little thing in the corner you kind of have to navigate this bear around the house mm-hmm. because 
you know, it's it's almost like a beanbag type situation. And if you want to move furniture around, yeah. if you want to, you know, move things around, you kind of have to navigate, you have to move them. So you have to refer to them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I practiced actually using they pronouns, they, them pronouns, um, just in, in regular language. And I'm finding came up for me with a, a parent client. They were just trying to figure this out. And I said, this, you know, when I was living in this house, this is what did, you know, this is what we did and it worked. It's just practice, right? Mm-hmm. So it's an, it's mm-hmm. like, um, it's a good tip for, for parents. If they need to yeah. support their kids in using they, them pronouns, and they should, right? Because those kids mm-hmm. are going to be around other kids and adults who prefer that. And instead of them going, what? I don't understand. Having a toy that, that they, they refer to as they is a, is a great, is a great way. Yeah. I mean, we talked about for parents, but even again, aunties and uncles and Mm. just any significant adult in a child's life, you have an opportunity to role model and to create space for something that looks different potentially than what they're Mm. getting from home or what they're seeing in the world and giving them space to see difference and to experience their own difference and have these conversations. There are two things that come to mind as relates to that, both around consent. When Mm. she was little, we used to play, she and I would play a tickle game. And the mm-hmm. goal of the game was f- for me to teach her essentially what that you give me permission to touch your body and you get you tell me when it's when I cannot touch your body anymore. And so mm-hmm. we would tickle and she would have to say st- anytime she would say stop immediately, I would stop tickling her. And then mm-hmm. she would say go. And then I would start tickling her again. And then mm-hmm. again, she would try different words like she would say, you know, green or red or oranges mm-hmm. and apples or whatever it was. And she was just delighted to be able to be in control. But over time, that eventually evolved where, you know, as a parent, I would just go over and like hug her and kiss her because I felt like I could and I should because she's my kid. Mm-hmm. But once I realized, oh, I need to practice consent all the time, mm-hmm. I started to then ask her, is it OK if I give you a hug? Is it OK if I give you a kiss? Now, that felt crazy and strange to me. That felt completely bizarre to have to ask my child if I can hug and kiss them. And I need, for me, it was important to recognize that some magic dust wasn't going to fall from the sky come 16, 18, 20, whenever she started dating. And then suddenly she would realize, oh, I have autonomy over my body and I get to tell people when they can or cannot touch me. If her entire life, I was just grabbing her whenever I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I don't have a kid. I am around a bunch of kids. I am curious. Where does that sovereignty, when I should say, at what age, when does the sovereignty start? Because here's what I see a lot. I see a lot of tired, exhausted, well-intentioned toddler parents shoving their kids and, I, and lovingly shoving their kids into their clothes, into their coats, into their socks, into their shoes. And, you know, th- there just doesn't seem to be any other way. There's no there's no um, negotiating with a toddler when, you know, you're trying to put one, so- you know, one pair of socks on, you turn on, turn around to get the other and they kick the other one off. You know, they're refusing mm-hmm. to put their arms through the holes, you know, and yes. it's, there's no kind of there's no kind of negotiating with them. You go, you know, a few more years, you know, they're grubby, they come home and they're refusing to get in the shower. You know, you have Mm -hmm. to sort of go in the shower with them and wash them and wash them properly because they're not, Mm -hmm. they're not ready to, they're not able to wash themselves properly yet. So it's, I'm I'm curious, where do you, as a parent, where do you know, okay, at this point, I'm going to allow my kid to have its, you know, have their sovereignty versus Mm -hmm. I need to do my parenting duties of like cleaning and keeping them warm. 
Yes, fantastic question. And I'm going to I'm going to answer just as it was specific to me. So this isn't necessarily, you know, what everyone should do, but for me it was around the distinction between what is necessary. So same thing around bathing, right? I would bathe her and I would bathe all of her private parts. And frankly, we would use that as an opportunity to say mom and dad are the only ones and you who are allowed to touch your private parts. And if someone else tries mm-hmm. to touch your private parts, then you're going to have a conversation. And we would start to use real language. That's your vagina. This is your vulva, right? This is your clitoris, like I taught her early on. But those things are a part of navigating through life. We need to eat. We need to bathe. We need to put our clothes on. The distinction for me was around touch, pleasure, affection. So when I felt cuddly and cozy and wanted to like cuddle up with her and smell her little head and tickle her little feet, mm-hmm. that was about me wanting closeness. And my strategy for that was mm-hmm. then to have physical affection. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. that's not required, I mean, we all want Mm -hmm. closeness, but that in that moment wasn't about bathing her or putting her coat on. It was about, I Mm -hmm. I wanted a need met and I was going to use a strategy to meet that need. Mm -hmm. And I realized at some point, I didn't want to use her to meet my need. Mm -hmm. So that Mm -hmm. is, those are the places where I would say, oh, I want to give you cuddles. Is that okay? Can I give you some cuddles right now? And Mm -hmm. then, and honestly, I would say 90% of the time she's like, yes, but sometimes she's like, no. No, thank you. <laughs> I, yeah. don't want, I don't want, I don't feel like you cuddled yeah. or touched. One piece, yeah. honestly, where that's really, really challenging for me is when we are either in conflict or when she is sad. When she mm. is sad, my every single instinct, atom, nerve in my body wants to just wrap her up and hold her in my arms and cuddle her. And she does not want that. She wants yeah. space. And she wants Mm -hmm. not to be touched at all when she is upset. And that is really hard for me. And I make that I make mistakes often where I'll like start to reach out to her and she'll pull away. And we know enough now, like I'll catch myself and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Let me know, you know, when I, if you want to come close and eventually maybe she'll sit next to me and then maybe she'll lean on me, but it's not my style at all. I want to be wrapped Mm -hmm. up in a huge old blanket when I'm upset and like cuddled and swaddled and like held. And so I want to do that to her. And I have to realize she's her own person. She doesn't want that. Mm-hmm. I know her well enough to know that she's when she's like activated in any way, happy, sad, angry. She just wiggles in her in her body. Like I can totally see she would not want to be touched. Like she's. Yes. I mean, very very different. I mean, I I know you. I know her a little bit, and just in your physical beings, you're very different. Um, you're very similar. Mm-hmm. Actually, very similar looking. But um, <laughs> in your in your physical beings, you're very you're different. Where where you are now, you know. Yeah. And I can totally see how she does not want to be touched, and when she's activated like that, totally. Yeah. And it must be hard as a mom because because it's like you want to love her and protect her in the way that you instinctually want to love and protect her, so wrap her up. Like I get that. I do that to my dog. You know, I can't even imagine like having a having a human child my dog fell into um fell in the pool the, the other day and he was freezing and scared and in shock and all I, you know all i could think about was just like wrap him up in my my sweater and just like hold him close you know mm-hmm. and i can't even you know that's just a dog i can't imagine yeah, yeah. as a kid like, if you have a kid that's all you want to do and again, this is the right, and you're absolutely, and it's going to evolve, right? I'm not saying that that happens with a one-year-old because there's difference right. there. And I will tell you something actually that you can start doing with little ones. And this is in the spirit of things are going to be uncomfortable for you and uncomfortable for the people around you. One of the things when I was really trying to institute and, and help her understand consent and make that a practice was 
when often grandparents or again, aunts and uncles and family Mm. members come around, our instinct is to say, go kiss and hug your grandmother. Mm. You know, my, your aunt drove from a long distance, go over there and give them a hug. And then the kid is like, Oh, I don't want to. And you're like, come on, they're going to be so sad. They just want to give you a hug and a kiss. And part of the message that we're sending is if someone loves you or if someone's going to be disappointed, that you let them be affectionate with you. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to untangle that you should be physical with someone because they love you or you should be physical with someone because if you don't, they're going to feel sad. Yeah. And that was hard to have a conversation with my parents. And, and when when they would come over and they would say, give me a hug, you know, and I would say to her or you can give them a high five or something like that. And she would choose high five and they were annoyed about it. You know, I think that they thought I was really like woo woo and like all these things where I was like, well, she doesn't want to now and maybe she will a little bit. And and frankly, by the end, once the, the, the they their visit was over, she would wrap, give them a big hug. In the beginning, mm. she needed to like warm up and, you know, that's just the way that she is. Mm. But even if she didn't, that would be OK, too. And that's super uncomfortable right. for them. It's super uncomfortable right. for me. I wish mm. that she would have run over and give them a huge big hug and kiss. And if I forced her to do it, what message was I sending? So this mm. is not. But, you know, again, I, I, I really am mindful, particularly because parenting is really very sensitive. I am not mm-hmm. saying that anyone should do this, nor should you feel bad mm-hmm. if you're doing something mm-hmm. differently. This is what I have done in my household in order mm-hmm. to try to balance the noise and the messaging that she's experiencing mm-hmm. and hearing externally so that she realizes that she has options that in this house, she doesn't have to give everyone a hug and a kiss. And maybe in her dad's house, it looks a little bit differently. But here, this is she knows that that's an option. Yeah. And also every kid is different. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think just being attuned to your kid, trying to understand your kids, seeing them as an individual and getting to know them, um, give them language to be able to tell you what they need, how they feel. I mean, maybe that's a whole other episode about emotional intelligence. I mean, that's a whole other, like, how do you, um, how do you bring up a child that's emotionally intelligent that is able to feel feelings name feelings, process feelings in an age appropriate way, which you know, again, translates into healthy relationships. So that's, that's, that's a whole other episode. I'm sure we'll get into. I'm curious about the sexuality part of things because she's fairly young still. So I'm, I'm curious to like where you are at with her in talking about sex, about sexuality, about touch. Um, is she, are you there yet? Have you started? I mean, also like pleasure. What, um, where are you at with her with that? And how did that come about? Yeah, we, have been talking about it from the beginning around, again, things like body parts and things like that. Talking about sex and sexuality was important for me as a parent to do because of, you know, as the listeners of the Curious Fox podcast would know, I've had a very complicated relationship with sexuality because of the way I grew up, because of religion. And I wanted to create a different experience for her. And I wanted to be mindful of not, again, pushing my agenda onto her. So I would love to have deeper conversations with her about all things sex. And she's not there yet, right? She's nine. And so little bits over time, we would talk about our bodies and we would name the different parts. And one time we were in the train station, for example, and there was this big ad uh, advertisement around getting tested for STDs and STIs. Mm. And there was just like this gigantic blown up image of some something. It was like some cell or something that was in some SDI. And she was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's an infection that you can get if you're not safe. And at that point we had talked about, we'd use the language of men and women having different ingredients and that those ingredients mixed together can create a baby. And that's how we talked about it. 
mm-hmm. over time that started, she was like, well, where do those ingredients go? Where do they come from? And then we would start to talk about, well, you know, in some cases, a penis goes into a, into a vulva, into a mm-hmm. vagina. And there's those median. Then she was like, oh, that's enough. I don't want to hear about that. And then we would move <laughs> on and talk about something else. Okay, good. <laughs> Right. And then she was like, well, what about, and then she would come back eventually. What about there's two women? And I was like, Hey, well, this is what happens. What about there's two men? What is what happens? And so I use that opportunity to say, do you know how we wear gloves and we wash our hands to make sure we don't get germs in our hands? She was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, men and women have to wear gloves on their penis or in their, in their vulva. So that this way they don't share germs with each other. And she was like, okay. And that was it. And we moved on. And then like a week later, her dad called me and he's like, she just asked me if I wear a glove when I'm romantic. Like, what's happening? What's going on? What and I was like, oh, sorry, I should have told you that we had the conversation. And she was like, she was asking me, what are gloves? Why? I mean, I think he assumed. But so I, you know, it was a good opportunity for me to realize as a co-parent that I had to do a better job of communicating when mm, I was talking about things. But little over time, we would talk about things like that. So we talked about ingredients. We talked about wearing a go- gloves. We talked about personal touch and so and safe touch and what those things look like. So it would evolve mm. over time. And it was about things like safety when it became when it was first about like sexual pieces. And then we would start to talk about pleasure. And we talked about it like itching and scratching. And I would mm-hmm. say, you know, when you have a, an itch and she loves when I scratch her back, for example, and I'm like, it's mm-hmm. super itchy and you scratch it and it feels so much better. I was like, well, sometimes mm-hmm. you'll have a tingle. And then if you touch it, it'll feel better in the same way that when you go to the bathroom and you don't talk to people about, oh, this is what happened. When I went to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. You may not talk to people about what happened when you got the tingle because that feels private for you. But it's OK mm-hmm. if you have that experience. And so this is that's the level of conversation that we've had about it at this point and her mm-hmm. nine year old self. That's all that she's willing to like talk about without being like, oh, mom, enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm ready when she's ready to talk about more. She's asked me a lot about menstruation and we've had that conversation She's asked me some things about sex. When she asks, I answer in the most age-appropriate way that I can. And I really let mm-hmm. her guide the conversation. And when she's ready for more, then I'll be able to share more with her. Yeah, that's amazing. It sounds like she's like, she comes, she asks, she hears, she goes away, she processes, she puts like the dots mm-hmm. together, she observes, does her own thing, comes back, gets more information, goes away, adds it to the equation. Uh, it's just, that's what it, that's what it feels like. Uh, I'm curious, has there been any like curveballs? Have there been like a, you know, has she like seen porn or like heard from a friend or like something that she's, she's like, what? Like anything that, cause you've, you've been like drip, like drip, 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 drip. And you're like mm-hmm. being going by, you know, in her speed, but everything, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, you know, that's not how life works. Right. So I'm curious yeah. if she's like mistakenly got exposed to something that like, you know, leaped to forward in some way. Yeah, it's a good question. I think, uh, no. I mean, the most that she would is like maybe seeing something. She has a very high, what's the word, boundary around what's appropriate. So she'll say mm-hmm. like, that's not appropriate or this is appropriate. And that's language that we, we've talked about where she would ask me like, what, you know, what is sexy? And I would say, well, sexy mm-hmm. is like really confident in your body and knowing who you are and feeling really good about yourself. Doing these kind of wiggle moves and dances, people think mm-hmm. projects sexy, but that's not necessarily mm-hmm. sexy. And when you do that as a kid, you're trying to show like I'm a grown up that I'm wiggling around and you have mm-hmm. plenty of time to be a grown up. Like you don't need to do that. So she learned early on, like, I don't need to twerk because that's not appropriate as a kid. Right. Mm-hmm. Or certain songs or certain language she'll be like is not appropriate. So she has a super high, high, like 
radar and she will self-censor mm-hmm. all the time. Like she'll be watching something mm-hmm. and be like, oh, that's inappropriate for me and like switch it <laughs> off. Um, like mm-hmm. on TikTok or something else like that. I think one of the times where and this just stood out for me because I she I went into her room and she like quickly like shifted something on her phone. Like clearly she was doing something mm-hmm. on her phone that she didn't want me to see. And so mm-hmm. I asked her about it. I was like, you know, what's happening there? And of course my mind is thinking, right, she found porn or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, nothing, nothing. And she like swipes something and deletes something. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like what is, what is going on? What are you watching? And she starts crying. And she told me that she, and I looked it up afterwards, like the name of the app, but she was playing some game. It was like a Sims kind of game, but it was like mm-hmm. a avatar Sims, like dating game. Mm-hmm. And so like you would date somebody and they would be like, Ooh, you look really sexy or you. And she was crying. She was like, I know it was appropriate, inappropriate. Cause they kept saying the S word. And I was like, well, what's the S word? And she was like, S E X Y. And I know I shouldn't be playing with things that says that word. And I, and I was like, Oh, it's okay. Right. It's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And she was like, but don't worry. The avatar that I chose, I had her date girls too. So I was an equal. Well, you know, I, but I, so I share that anyway, I share that story to say that her actually, uh, mm-hmm. boundaries around what's appropriate and is higher than mine. Like she mm-hmm. has, she has self-guided herself in a way that she realizes there's plenty of time for that. I don't think that she mm-hmm. has shame around eventually having sex. Cause we've talked about that. We've talked about making sure that when she, you know, drinks or smokes or does any of that kind of stuff in the future to make sure that she's safe to make sure like we've had conversations. So she knows her adult self can make those types of choices. Mm-hmm. And I think that she realizes now as a kid, I don't need to be thinking about that. And, right, you know, right, when right. I expose myself to that a little bit too much, I should know better. Right. right. You also take the charge away, meaning like you don't allow any charge. You don't leave any charge around things because you talk about things openly. Like there's no taboo. There's no, uh, I think that also helps with, it's just not that interest. It's not that interesting when there's no charge on it. It's not that interesting when there's no mystery. It's not. It's like she. It's just not how she can be naughty. Like that's not exactly. You know, that's not the way. Right. Well, yeah, that's, the, that's like, the joke of it. Is that her being cisgendered, heterosexual, monogamous is going to be the way that she's going to be naughty? It's like right, <laughs> right. Is right, by exactly. being like. Yeah, that's the way. I mean, she has joked in the past. She's like, you're not going to be happy, mom, until like everybody's talking about sex everywhere. Like, then you're not going to end up like, that sounds, yes, that sounds fine that everyone is talking about it. That sounds great. So I think it's actually gone the other direction because I am so open with it. She actually um, has higher boundaries or is, is, you know, more conservative than I would be. Right. Totally. Totally. And just, yeah, it's just not an interesting place for her to like, it's not where she can trigger you. Like, it's just not, it's like, like I said, it takes the, ch- the, the charge away. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's an open conversation that she knows that she's going to be able to have whenever and under whatever situation. So amazing. I mean, thank you. Thank you for <laughs> sharing your story with your wonderful daughter, who I'm a huge fan of. We started with her because we wanted to kind of give our foxes a, a sort of a snapshot into who she is uh, solo. And she only, all, she wasn't prepped. We did give her questions up front, like half an hour before, maybe an hour before, so that we didn't like. We, obviously, we don't want to. We don't want to um, stress her out. So yesterday, I told her. I asked her if she if she wanted to do it because I wanted to make sure that she felt right, comfortable right, right. sharing. 
Of course. I mean, of course, you asked her if she'd be on it. And then when she came on it, we gave her like questions. We kept everything basic. We didn't catch her out, you know. But other than that, she spoke her mind. She was very clear. She was very willing. She spoke her mind. Um, she has more to add, I'm sure. So, I mean, that's kind of how we started because I think it's, you know, it's, it's important that, you know, you see the end product, if you will. And then mm -hmm. we talked about all your hard work and dedication and, and focus on how you got to where you are and that it's an ongoing, you know, it's ongoing situation for you, that it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. There's so much work that's gone into it. And the, my biggest takeaways from what I've, you know, what we talked about is love, sex, relationships, gender, identity, orientation, consent, boundaries are topics of converse, topics of everyday conversation, um, little and often. Context helps, um, outside sources help, movies help, pride helps, books <laughs> help. Having age-appropriate questions and taking cues from your kid is kind of a solid way to go. Just being mindful about what is about you and what's about your kid. You know, again, do do you are you pushing something of yours onto them, um, and just stepping mm -hmm. back and, and thinking if this was an adult relationship or if this was different, would this be the dynamic? Or if they were, if this was behavior that they were demonstrating as a as an adult and adult relationship, mm -hmm. how would that feel? What would that look like? What would that translate to? So there are times mm -hmm. where, believe me, there we're not best friends. I am her mother, so I, I show up in my role as a mother, and I am trying to help to rear a person who knows herself so well mm -hmm. that she can navigate through through the world yeah. joyfully yeah yeah and i um i know i hope you don't mind me sharing this but uh i know that you worry about this all, yes. the, time. all the time um and uh, as somebody who's on the outside that is invested in you and in her and and has somewhat of a professional point of view on what happens down the line within relationships um i think you're doing an excellent job thank you so big gold star to you and thank you again for for sharing your thoughts and sharing your daughter with our audience with me she's a delight i can listen to her i can talk to her forever transparently i feel really emotional right now this is like oh. parenting is the most sensitive topic in the world for me she is the most important person in the world and so yes. i mean just that compliment that you gave make me feel emotional kind of sharing her with our community which has taken me a long time to do makes me feel yeah. emotional and so oh. <sighs> exhale you're doing a great job mama <laughs> <laughs> she's you. a brilliant kid like she, she's a brilliant kid she's creative she's smart she's perceptive so some of it is just like you know who she is and I think and and you work so hard on shaping that brilliance into who she is today so gently gently guiding how about this gently guiding um, her into who she is today um, and I think you're doing an excellent job I'm proud of you thank you I'm proud of both of you Thank you. All right. Let me let me go get her so she can close this out. Okay. Welcome back. Hi. Hello. I want to say thank you so much for coming and um, being a part of this podcast. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure having you. You have been amazing and insightful and you shared your thoughts and I really appreciate that. And I know that everybody would. I know. I know. In fact, I can guarantee that everybody loved what you had to say. <laughs> How was it for you? Well... Like I always say, it was fine. <laughs> like, it, there's nothing like bad about her. She's, okay. she's not easily impressed. <laughs> she's like, whatever. I eat this for breakfast. 
Um, okay, before we go, I would love for you to tell our audience about Slime Square Slimes and tell them uh, what what they can do to get hold of your amazing um, slime. So, slime is great because you could stretch it, you could poke it, you could add clay to it, you could knead it, you could scent it, you could decorate it. You can try this for yourself by getting the best slime around town from slimescoreslime.com. So there's a mystery box. There are mystery boxes. And there is a few mystery boxes, like four, with a curious fox slime. And 20% off. Use promo code CuriousFox at checkout. And remember, get slimy. And um, if we wanted to follow you on social media, where can we find you? If you have TikTok or if you're like kids have TikTok, you can follow me at um, official slime square slime. And then on Instagram, you can follow me at slime square slime. Amazing. We'll put these in the show notes. Thank you so much. I really hope that people will try out your slime. I am a big fan. I know that I have a mystery box coming my way tomorrow, hand delivered. So yeah, my order is coming. I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. Well, yeah. Bye. So if you want to follow <laughs> the queen of slime, you can go to Slime Square Slime on Instagram or um, the official Slime Square Slime on TikTok. If you want to follow us, then you can go to We Are Curious Foxes. We are also on Instagram and we have a Facebook group. We are on Patreon. And so if you are a patron member and you go to We Are Curious Foxes and join, then you will have access not only to all of the videos from the events that we have hosted over the past two years, but you will also have access to special podcast opportunities, including interview questions for our guests. And you can ask exclusive questions and have exclusive access to some of our podcast guests. You can get some unique clips and um, podcast episodes that are designed just for our patrons. So you can do that there. If you like what you heard, if this was interesting to you, if this was helpful in any way, then we ask you to follow or share or like right now on your phone, whatever podcast app that you're using, it makes a difference. It allows us to change the noise and to help spread the message of curiosity. And we are interested to see if there are things that you would like us to explore via the podcast. And you can let us know what your thoughts are, what you are curious about by emailing us at listening at We Are Curious Foxes, where you can give us a call and then ask us a question and we can play it on the podcast at 201-870-0063. This episode is produced and edited by Nina Pollock, who I'm convinced has magical powers. Our intro music is composed by Dave Saha. We remain grateful for their work. And we thank you for listening. And as always, stay curious, friends. Curious Fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind. And we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. 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 Stay curious.